is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is November 7th, 2017. I'm in Lisbon, Portugal, and I'm joined by Fabian of HTC and by Ewan Spence of Forbes. Hi, guys. Hey, Miriam. Hi, evening, afternoon, good morning, wherever you are, Miriam. Uh, strictly <laughs> speaking, I'm a contributor to Forbes. If I say I'm from Forbes, the editor will get very, very upset with me. I have to simplify because in the title, that's what I have to say. Um, yeah, that's but, not going to wash with the lawyers. Uh, well, don't worry. <laughs> I will make sure in the long description it says the right thing. Um, so, Fabian, what's your position at HTC? In case you don't know, guys, Fabian is with HTC, which is super exciting to have him on today. Yeah, I run the product marketing team for Europe. Wonderful. So in case you're wondering, since I'm in Lisbon, Fabian was a good fit being uh, in Germany. So timing wise, this was kind of an excellent podcast because it's, you know, 11 in the morning and Lisbon time, which is the same UK time. It's a little later or earlier for you, Fabian? It's noon. It's later. Yeah. So and as you guys know, Ewan's been podcasting forever. I mean, he's like me, like granddad of podcasting, right, Ewan? pretty much scotland's first podcaster uk second or third um but this today's also miriam yes. trivia time a very important day what is it today is the anniversary of the first internet radio broadcast wow when was this from wxyc november 7th 1994 wow they did it that early huh yep that's amazing. So it probably would it probably would be like with like with a really basic real audio, real audio streamer dot RAM. What, was real audio uh, still already around in '94 though? I'm not, I don't think it was. Was it? That must have been one of the early ones on new text. But anyway, it's an auspicious day for us to be talking seamlessly, smoothly over the internet, all about comms, all about communication, and meeting people online in real life. I just thought that was just a nice little tie-in. It is fantastic, I have to admit. So, you know, this is a phone show. Let's talk about phones. The U11 Plus and U11 Life were announced last week. And I obviously uh, talked about it on last week's podcast because the embargo had just lifted. Um, I do have a U11 Life, the US model, not the Android One model. And um, I've been playing with it extensively. If you go to my YouTube channel, you'll see my unboxing and my review video. Uh, I'm working on a review for Mobile Geeks as well. Uh, a short review because I'm a little taxed with time. But um, I want to know... Um, what your thoughts are, Ewan, and then I want to get Fabian to explain a little bit, um, a bit of background on how these two devices came to be. So Ewan, thoughts? I just think it's really nice that HTC is still aiming high. There's, you know, when you look at mobile phones nowadays, it's very commoditized. So your markets are really the very, very low-end handsets, the very, very high-end handsets. And that bit in the middle is not only very competitive, but very price-sensitive. So to get a, get a handset that sort of sits in that high-end, but still delivers really good value for money with lots of interesting feature sets, it's, it's really difficult to reinvent the wheel uh, on a smartphone over the last couple of years. The U11 is just in a really nice space. Obviously, HTC's got a long history, and there's been ups and downs, and... There's stuff about the background and development of this device I suspect Fabian doesn't want to talk about. But it has to be said, it's really nice to see the U11 Plus's screen doesn't have any blue tints or any sort of shifting or any sort of mirroring. And 
Somebody made it. Is it LCD or back. OLED though? It's LCD, it's isn't it? It's LCD, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what you. If, yes, everybody's playing OLEDs. We're talking a lot about now, but OLED and also devices that have got plastic OLED as well. Sometimes, sometimes LCD is just a better choice. I agree, but I mean, at the same time, when OLED is done right, look at what Samsung is doing and I, Apple because of Samsung and and even HTC on the Pixel Two, thanks to Samsung, it, it kicks it kicks ass. Yep, and you're talking a decent-sized battery set on the U11 Plus. I think we're just a shade short of 4,000 milliamp hours on that one there, Fabian. Yeah, that's true. So, Fabian, how? tell us a bit, like, okay, my big questions are this. Um, I agree with um, with you and about the value you get from the U11 Life. I mean, I'm a little annoyed with the plastic build because in this day and age, even low-end phones are metal and glass. Um, but I understand that, you know, it redeems itself with the display, the camera, and the U11-like experience brought down to half the price, which I think is phenomenal. But I want to hear a little bit, like, why didn't the why did we even get the U11 when we see the U11 Plus today? To me, the U11 Plus should have been the flagship for this year, considering everyone else is doing ultra-wide screens. And that's it's kind of the, the must-have feature. Yeah. Um, so to get this kind of screen, it always also gets, uh, you need the right components. Uh, and so waiting for that screen to be available would have meant to delay the U11. Uh, and that's, that's a typical product specking dilemma. You always have something better coming up pretty soon. If it's a new Qualcomm or a new display or a new camera module. So there's a point of time where you have to say, okay, the rocket is launching now. Uh, and we take the best we get now. Uh, and this is how uh, U11 has an awesome screen with the only difference that it's traditional 16 by 9, which many people prefer, but still it's not as fashionable anymore. And uh, long story short on uh, why this hasn't been the U11. Got it. I think, honestly, you know, I don't have an issue with the aspect ratio 16 by 9, but if the U11 had smaller bezels, I'd be fine with it. It's it's just the everybody now expects very thin bezels, especially on the edges and certainly on the top and bottom. And I feel like, you know, if you look at last year's pixels, which were manufactured by HTC, you look at the U11 this year um, and you even look at the Pixel 2 now, uh, all phones made by HTC, the even the side bezels are still really thick. So the U11 Plus kind of reduces that despite still having edge sense, which I know takes up some space on the edge. And um, you know, that's why I'm like, yeah, this is the U11 that I really wanted. Of course, I'm not getting it in the US, so I'm really mad about that. But hey, you can't win every battle, right? Yeah, you travel a lot, so you have your chance. Yeah, no, I know. I'll, Jeff will hook me up. If not, I'm sure I'll uh, I'll ping you about it, Fabian, see if your <laughs> okay. European PR can send me something. But I think, um, you know, the other story, is, as you and touched on, is the battery life story. I mean, with a Snapdragon 835, almost 4,000 milliamp hour battery is an insane amount of energy storage. Yeah, uh, you might, if you add such a big screen, then the, it's the biggest... Uh, let's say, sucker of battery life. And so you better make sure that the battery grows uh, at the same rate. And then if you look at all the new phones that have been announced lately, and then I look at a uh, customer's reaction and they ask them, what do you like about the phone? And they don't tell you, oh, it's AI is really awesome. They say, oh, I love this big battery. So they address a certain market 
people like you and me who are like on the road all the time with the phone and battery rules everything and hence this really big one uh went in, into uh u11 plus for sure ewan yeah i have a question for fabian i come to go back very slightly to the idea of it's of phones as fashion what fabian does the u11 contribute to a fashion phone if we look if we take phone fashion next year what will htc's u11 have contributed to the this is what makes a smartphone i i think we already see some effects of that so a glass has been there for a while but i think we've been the first that really took an effort to make the glass not just a material uh, but to give you this almost three-dimensional look so uh, the way we did it with several layers that have their own coloring it is very shiny and it does not look like oh there's a glass plate and some color beneath it it really is deeply colored uh, and gives you all these nice effects and this is something that i'm guessing a lot of people will pick up on but speaking of that you weren't able to maintain that with the u11 life i mean you have the look but not the feel um how much of a discussion was there at htc about you know do we want to compromise like, are you have a price point to meet obviously you have to compromise somewhere and you compromise here was the materials and I think it's a reasonable compromise in the end once you use the device. So I think you made the right decision. But I want to know how you came to that decision. I'll give you an extreme opposite example. Um, Xiaomi makes the uh, Mi A1 Android One phone, which costs 229 US dollars, which is undercuts you significantly. And it's all metal and glass. Yet when you start using it, you know, even though spec wise, it's really nice on paper, the display doesn't really live up to my expectations. The camera is okay, even though it's a dual camera. Um, you know, that's basically its only gimmick at this point. Whereas I think the U11 Life just genuinely has a great camera for the price. So, you know, where were these decisions made and how, uh, how did it end up being that way? Because to me, part of the excitement of the U11, the design, since we're talking about fashion, is that it, it's unique because of its glass finish. But it also feels like a rock star when you pick it up. It has some heft to it, the metal frame, the glass back. You kind of completely lose all that with the U11 Life when you touch it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of discussion and, and planning, uh, a, a product like U11 Plus is super easy to spec because you go to the engineers and say, go crazy, pick the best you get. Uh, price is not the biggest issue. So uh, it's hard to get innovation in that price segment but it's fairly easy to select materials because, yeah, you just take the best. Uh, it's really complicated to make a proper mini product and it has been done before, it has been done by us. And a lot of the minis and lights out there, they kind of take some of the design language from the mothership, but then really do a lot of compromise on the experience. And so we wanted to turn it the other way around. We wanted to get as much as U11 standout features as possible and you name them there's the camera there's the sound there's the active noise cancellation and so on and so on uh, so if you put everything in and just make it smaller you end up with a phone that almost costs the same because it doesn't yeah really, it doesn't really scale you 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 save five fifty bucks but you're not another price tier and so you look for alternatives and uh this uh, acrylic glass that we use here uh it's not cheap in a way that uh, you save a lot of money to, uh, money against um, uh, metal. Um, it's certainly cheaper than the way we, we did the glass on the U11. 
But compared to, let's say, affordable metal phones, you have a lot of advantages because metal, when you talk radio, when you talk antenna, when you talk heat dispersion, is literally the worst. Uh, and, and, and this material is quite interesting. It's, it's, it's very sturdy against breaks. Uh, it sure can't feel as premium as the Gorilla Glass we use in the other one, but it's getting pretty close. Uh, and it still preserves this, this shiny overall look that we had on the original U11. No, absolutely. Look, I think, you know, in terms of looks, you know, there's a difference in color between the two, but you did nail it. At first, I was, I, I was convinced it was glass and, and metal. In fact, when I picked it up, I immediately discovered it was plastic. I immediately knew it was plastic from the weight and the way the, the back gave under my hand when I pushed it. And um, I was like, that's acrylic, mm. plexiglass, whatever. And, and, but the, the, you had me pulled at the frame until I looked at the SIM slot and yeah. the edge of the SIM slot. And I was like, this is molded, or at least it's, if it's metal, it's molded, it's not machined. And I don't think it's metal. And that's when, like, really for me, the disappointment came. If I think, I think I could have lived with a magnesium frame and a, a plexiglass back uh, instead of an aluminum frame, um, because I know that aluminum, the, the machining is the most expensive part, isn't it? Um, also, uh, it, it's also also it, but the, the construction and making sure that it still works with aluminum is way more complicated, and you will end up most of the time with lesser radio performance than you get on other materials. Right. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still, it's a minor thing, but I do think that I do hope that it's that eventually you can achieve the quality of materials in the mid range that you have achieved on the high end, at least in part, like pick one of the two materials that you, uh, you basically sacrifice both the frame and the back. I would have liked to see one of them be retained, you know? Yeah, I mean, these things get better every year. Look at where, where mid-tier phones are now. I mean, we, we always have to really dig hard for really things that are not perfect anymore compared to a three-year-old mid-range phone would be a piece of kit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, uh, challenge accepted. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's all. I mean, we always want more, right? And, and I know it's hard because you're a scrappy, smaller player comparatively to, you know, Samsung, for example, or Apple. And so, you know, obviously you have to be smart about your decision. And I think the U11, you know, giving the U11 experience um, about getting 90% of that in the U11 life is, is definitely worth it. Ewan, have you played with the USonic earbuds on the U11 or U11 life or any of the, you know, recent HTC phones? And what's your take on that? Because I have a lot of very strong feelings about the lack of headphone jack. Not that I have any problems with USonic. I think it's a great feature. Um, but to me, it should coexist with a headphone jack. So what do you think of that, Ewan? I, I've only had a limited amount of hands-on time, so I've not really been able to sit down. I'm, I do a lot of podcasting. I do a lot of radio. I do a lot of music. Headphones are really, really important to me. Uh, and I miss the 3.5 mil headphone jack whenever a phone company comes up and goes, oh, we've made the phone slightly narrower. We've improved this. You've got Bluetooth audio. Well, what, I have a couple of problems. First of all, where I like where my body shape means that I tend to block Bluetooth signal with my body. So listening to audio is really poor. I don't like having to keep things on charge when I'm on the road. And I know everybody has innovative solutions and cases and holders and everything. But 
you know, in, in a perfect world, I would have an infinite supply of Sony MDR WI-01L headphones. These are the ones with that sort of headband that hooked into the ear. Sony stopped making them about five years ago. And, and I've been struggling to find a, a pair of headphones that are really good for traveling. I have one now, but they're custom molded to the ear um, and they don't have Bluetooth on them. They can fit into anything that has a three and a half mil headphone jack. But to sit there with USB-C dongles, I mean, I understand why from a, from a construction point of view why you don't want a physical jack and going into the circuit board in the i mean you save money entry for point. sure right like there's no doubt um the manufacturers save money yes and they put all the electronics in the outside on the dongle so to me it's just a well you know we want to make our phones thin and we know you want this thing so we're going to put a great big additional dongle in the box so we're going to make you switch to USB-C and and look I know a lot of people go but you know Bluetooth headsets are on the rise look at all these surveys lots of people using USB-C headphones those surveys tend to be just in America there's the rest of the world they all listen to music you know when you go go out into the BRIC countries especially Bluetooth headphones are not as prevalent they're not as easy to get a hold of when you go into countries where the GDP is much lower the price of entry to music, because we've lost the three and a half mil headphone jack, is it's not just a little extra cost. It is a significant cost that people have to think about. And look, the point is to get your bill of materials down as low as possible as a manufacturer to hit certain price points. That's great. But there's a point where you just start to annoy users. And I. My concern, honestly, I just, I just, is I feel as frustrated as you, Euron, and I want you to, Fabian, to understand is that I think it wouldn't be a huge deal if it wasn't HTC. And you're gonna say, what do you mean? We've been innovating for audio for so long. Exactly. You brought us the best sounding headphone jacks on phones before LG took over. Yeah. And LG now has by far the best sounding analog audio on any phone ever, ever made with both the V30 and the V20 and, and in some markets, the G6. That quad DAC that they have, if you're an audiophile like I am, is a true revelation. It's a thousand dollars worth of external DAC and headphone amp built into a phone that sells for less than a thousand dollars. Now, 90% of the customers don't care, and I agree with you, but 90% of HTC's customers do care that the HTC 10 had some of the best sounding audio ever, that even mid-range desire headsets had the high power amplifier in the past. And that means that they have a legacy history of audio devices that they can use. I have at least 20 pairs of different earbuds and, and headphones, some of them dating from the 80s and 70s even, that sound phenomenal today and that I want to use sometimes with my devices. And you know, um, a lot of people, as I said, in, in some parts of the world can only easily get 3.5 millimeter um, solutions. So it's strange to me that HTC being such a leader in audio would, would sacrifice a headphone jack just to kind of push this Usonic thing, which I think personally, I don't really, I'm not very impressed with the Usonic earbuds. I don't think they sound that great, but I do feel that the active noise cancellation is a feature you can only get over USB. And I feel that's a good feature. And I also feel that the sound tuning feature uh, may help some people get slightly better audio quality type by tuning to their ears. Because again, as somebody who did audio for many years professionally, I, I know this is a thing, but, but then removing the headphone jack means that all of us who don't want to use Usonics and are HTC fans are left in the dark. So 
you're going to say there's a dongle in the box on the U11 and you're right. There's no dongle in the box on the U11 Life though. And frankly, the dongle you ship with the U11 is the worst sounding dongle of all of them right now. The Essential Phone has the best one. The Mi Mix 2 has a really decent one. The Pixel ones are pretty good, actually. I was really surprised. Um, but the U11 dongle is worse than a cheap phone was five years ago. Um, so I... If you're gonna stay in that direction of no headphone jacks, my advice is, Fabian, get us a good dongle in the box and get it on every phone at every price point. Yeah, the, the dongle is is, um, is optional for the local market. So um, so there will be U11 lives that uh, actually feature in it. I'm, I'm surprised to hear you hate the dongle because it was actually, um, that's quite similar to the one that's shipping with the Pixel and has its, has its own uh, DAC insights. So, Oh, maybe we should hook you up with the new one because it's it's actually pretty good. But the the thing is, the dongle is just the the the, the B story. So what's going on is there is obviously a change of interfaces that everybody's going because having a big analog device thing in your device when it's the only thing that's analog, uh, most of the engineers instinctively want to throw it out if they have something good digital. And we didn't just want to take something away from you and give you something else. Uh, for engineering reasons. And that's why I developed this Usonic Active Noise Cancellation headsets because they can give you something extra you couldn't get before to make this transition, which is always painful, uh, a lot smoother and give you something extra. And you know that a lot of the people will never bother and care enough about sound to really get into active noise cancellation because they cost a hell lot of money. And now we're making this available to everybody. So there's some give and take there. I know there is always a debatable topic, uh, but we, we really, you see from what we did there, that we're working hard to make this uh, not just a negative story. Yeah. But me, can I come back there if, if it's okay, Miriam? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Go for it, you. Um, recent surveys um, on what people look for in smartphones, 70% um, prized audio quality above anything else, and 80% were all, would always use a 3.5mm stereo headphone jack first. Yes, engineers would love to stop doing an analog and moving to digital. Who's driving that change? Because... I think it's a marketing decision. That, I don't think it's an engineering yeah, decision because when the dong when the dongle is lost, you have to buy another dongle. So there's much there's a much higher pain cost throughout the life of the device. Just because engineers can do something... Is that a reason to do something when it, so many people have this, that's what you need on a phone? You know, I remember the first phones that came with a three and a half mil headphone jack and they were absolutely liberating. Four gigabytes of storage as well. So you could actually carry more than, more than two albums. It, it just strikes me, and it, this isn't specifically HTC, this is to the industry as a whole, that this issue is being forced by the manufacturers to yeah. keep their costs down as opposed to forcing something because it's better for the user. I th I genuinely think that it's, it's causing too much pain. It's increasing costs. It's increasing lifetime costs. And it's not giving users a benefit. What about all these people who can't use in-ear bud headphones, who, who need to use over-ear closed headphones in an environment? You just can't interface these with the phones except through the dongle. And we're back to the point of everybody's getting them lost or having to spend an extra $20, $30, put that inside the handset, give us an extra millimetre of depth, and with what's left over, stick in another battery cell. Yeah. I mean, look, I understand, you know, the decision here. I just think you should you should reconsider in the future. 
um, sometimes people come back on their decisions and the, the users might be delighted. And I think particularly with headphones, you know, maybe I have a bad adapter, but yeah, I find there's a huge improvement in quality between the U11 adapter that ships with the U11 and the one that is in the Pixel boxes. And there's huge, a huge increment again between that and what's the essential phone and the Mi and the Mi Mix 2 ship. So not all dongles are created equal, and that's the big problem because people assume they're all the same, but they're not because they have active electronics. And so I think if you're going to continue going that route, you need to ship dongles that live up to the HTC 10 sound quality. And your dongle right now doesn't. Even the best dongles out there don't. You, you need to be able to say, our dongle sounds as good as the V30 from LG. We have the ESS quad dock in there. And if you do that and you sell that dongle for even $30, I'm on board. Give me at least the option to purchase that. Uh, put it in the box of only your flagships and the cheap phones get the same, the normal dongle. But I think from HTC, that's what I expect because I expect choice. And um, as somebody who values audio, this is a big step backwards for me. HTC is no longer somebody, a company that I can count on for audio at this point. And that is, is damning and really unfortunate. So I think, you know, this is the issue and, and you should consider it. Um, in ideal world though, you'd do both. You'd bring a headphone jack, put it in all your phones again, and you would bundle the Sonic earbuds with USB-C interface. Uh, you know, phones like the old Pixel have a headphone jack and they work great with the new Pixel dongle as well. So it's not that they're incompatible technologies. You can plug another dongle into USB-C if you want a better amp and DAC. So, you know, choice is a good thing. Yeah, I did not expect to convince you guys uh, on, the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the, as you are so diehard uh, audiophile guys, uh, but uh, feedback taken. But, you know, I think I, I'm just bringing that up simply because I think, you know, from as, as you and said, from my surveys of all my readers and listeners, this is a really big deal. And everybody complains about it. And everybody's really pissed off at Google for removing the headphone jack this year mm. because they made a big fuss last year that they weren't going to do it. Right. And then they literally betrayed their entire, you know, user base. Uh, you don't do that. That's very poor PR and marketing. Now, you didn't do that, thankfully. You just decided to make it happen and you didn't, you know, make a great fuss about it, thankfully. Um, but look, Samsung's still putting headphone jacks in their phones and LG certainly is. And they are some of the big players in the world. So just because Apple's doing it doesn't mean that everybody has to jump on the bandwagon, right? Yeah, uh, which was not the case. But yeah, uh, I got your point. <laughs> so um, talk, talk to us uh, before we go, because I know we, you know, you, you, your time is limited and, and you and I have a bunch of other topics to jump on. I wanted to know a little bit basically about this display on the U11 Life, because I'm really amazed at how decent, how good it is for its price. It's a little oversaturated in vivid mode if, if I were picky, but I'd rather have a little oversaturated than what the Pixel 2s are doing, which is undersaturated. Um, even though they're accurate, quote unquote, um, I, I think that people want colors that pop and you delivered that and you delivered incredible brightness on that display too. So what's the story behind that, that super LCD? 
Uh, well, super LCD is just a term we use for or say, IPS. Yeah, for right? le for levels of quality. So uh, I believe what we what we have here in the live uh, we call super LCD three. Uh, so it's kind of like on the level that the M7 M8s had. Uh, so it's it's basically IPS, but it comes down to calibrating, selecting the panels, uh, and also setting them up. And uh, unfortunately, you didn't play with plus, but on plus we went one step ahead. It's now we call it Super LCD 6, uh, and so we uh, calibrate it uh, at, the ma at manufacturing to the DCI-P3 standards. So we want nice. to be, so we want to be uh, vivid, more vivid than, let's say, sRGB is, but not as extreme as AMOLED is. So it's a very, it's a very uh, tricky balancing thing that we do there, but uh, experience, well, plays, plays in our hands. What's your experience been like, Ewan, with uh, with the, uh, HTC's displays? Pretty good, actually. I'm one of these people that prefers the colors to pop out. Me um, too. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really interesting when you when you trace it back. When you go back to like the first half of the 21st century, the the bright vibrant colors tended to stay out in the Eastern markets, um, and the the smartphones that you would get out in the US and and Europe's big five tended to be that more washed out. They tended to be aimed more for text rep reproduction and to get contrast levels in blacks and whites. But the color was just just like an additional thought you could always you could always tell when you picked up a phone that had been meant for japan or china or or, or india because you could look at them and just go you know one wow. of them wow <laughs> yeah one one of them looks like a buster keaton film and the other one looks like an explosion of merry melodies and technicolor and <laughs> and as my eyes have slowly got worse over the years um i've appreciated the bigger the more vibrant colors yeah contrast they, right yeah, now you have that contrast over the entire color spectrum. Obviously, when you go into taking pictures, then the re your reproduction and everything of what you see and what's on the screen starts to to get a little bit interesting because you know you're pretty much talking about different color palettes um, in use there. But then at the same time, we now have phones that are big enough and that large enough storage and fast enough processors that they can grab a hold of the raw image as well as the JPEG. So if you're going to do any sort of level of photography you know most photographers are going to work in the raw get the white spots sort the color correction out on whichever desktop machine they're using um and you just you're just left with this almost cartoon-like interface and and that's nice to see it's also the fact that these screens you know when you've been working with them a long time they don't fade away after two three years you you, you go you pick up a handset from 2002 2003 and the amount of color fades you have even from the limited color standards is huge it's almost like going onto a monochrome handset you don't have that with modern handsets that's yeah. where the experience and the and and, and a pr lots of product cycles to understand how the screens react in three or four years it's one of the areas that i think samsung's going to have to help apple a huge amount uh, I'm going to be very interested in what the iPhone X screen is like after a year's worth of, of cycles and brightnesses and to see how that screen copes. Yeah. Fabian, um, we're going to let you go. I want you to give a ch get a chance to tell people if you are active on social media where they can find you. Uh, that's pretty easy. At best is Twitter. It's FabNap, F-A-B-N-A-P-P. But warning inside, it's mostly German and geeky. That's okay. Geeky is good. German is good for a lot of people. Um, Fabian Nappenbach, did I say it right? Correctly. 
All right, Fabian, thanks for being on the show. Um, go check check him out on, on Twitter, folks. And I really, really appreciate you telling us, giving us some of these insights on the U11 Plus and the U11 Life. Thanks, Fabian. Cool. Thanks, bye. So that was pretty delightful having Fabian on, right? It is, yes. And he's, I think he's got slightly bruised. I thought, I got away with that. I didn't trip up too much. Well, look, I tried to be nice. we got to ask nice. the questions. Did yeah. we not, weren't we nice? Oh, we were nice. Yes. I think we were good. I mean, look, there's, these are some tough questions that everybody's asking. I can't just yeah. let them fly, right? I mean, it's like... And here's the thing. The public are asking those questions in their head when they pick up these handsets. It's our job to ask those to the people who can answer. And not only that, but there's very few people really writing about this. Nilay on The Verge is very strongly against this trend and, and written several articles. So has Vlad. Savov. And, you know, you are against it. I mean, I don't honestly know a single tech journalist who's like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. And it, it, the thing that gets me is it's one of those little tiny things, I think. People who are going in, um, do the, the normal consumer going into their car phone warehouse or, you know, the Verizon store, Sprint store over in the US um, and looking at handset aren't looking... To buy a, don't look for the three and a half mil headphone jack. It's just still expected. Oh, how do I listen to music on this? And then they go, oh, there's a dongle in the box. I don't think it's one of those things. It's a selling point. But I think it's one of those things that degrades the experience of the handset once you get it home. And yes, Apple makes a lot of play about the, the earbuds. But to give you a great example, there's too much noise leakage on the AirPods for me to use them. Well, they, honestly, sort of I think they sound like crap. I mean, that's that's... I'm not going to mince words. Not They're not to my standards. I'm sorry. Neither are the Usonic earbuds. I don't know of any earbuds that have ever shipped with a phone that are up to my standards. Uh, that sh they've shipped with a phone. I'm glad you added that because there is actually one company down in San Diego that I found that make not bad earbuds that fit ears and have a good seal. Oh, I, I have some phenomenal earbuds. I'm just saying that in the box. Yes, of course, because it's an extra cost. You, know, you want to keep the, the lower you can keep that cost, the more profit you make from the handset or the more lower you can get the price. And when you're in the, a commoditized market in that horrible space in that sort of you know, 300 to $500 mark where, you know, adding even a, even an extra inch onto your cable over the USB has a knock-on effect across the entire profitability of the range. You know, anything that you can shave off is... Yeah. is is, is a win and that's i think is really what drives a lot of the loss of the three and a half mil because the ongoing support cost it's a physical thing on the circuit board it flexes back and forward it's not as securely mounted as a usb-c can be you've got to have the, all the stuff in there yeah i can see why engineers would want rid of it i can see why the the money the designers would want rid of it. i can see the marketing department could sell it as the future but you know when it, you know when you're sitting there on a plane um and they said right everybody signals off and you can't use your bluetooth headphones and you've got a really rubbish jungle and it's wet down the side and, and you've only got the headphones in the box and they don't pluck out the the noise of the big screaming geek beside you going i'm going to lisbon i'm going to lisbon i'm going to lisbon for nine hours across the atlantic <laughs> naming no names there uh, uh, <laughs> it just doesn't cut it doesn't cut it um i agree look we have a lot to talk about we've got about yeah, 25 yeah, minutes let's talk about let's talk about some of the phones i mean i know i agree with you look i'm 100 percent behind you it's, this sucks um some of the phones i want to talk to about really quickly as the uh, iphone 10 the re final reviews are now out i want to talk get your thoughts on the pixel 2 pixel 2 xl i yep. want to talk about the razor yep. phone which is obviously a yeah. big deal uh, and yeah, I've got one sitting here. Dun, dun, you dun, dun, already have. So wait, you have a review unit already? Yeah, I got one here. This is dun, amazing dun, dun, dun. because I just this pinged. This is how it sounds. 
So I want to I want to call a few people here. This is time for for Miriam Rant. Um, I was a huge supporter of Nextbit and the Robin, and I was very active as a journalist writing about that product. I never got invited by Razor to their hands-on thing. They completely ignored me. And now I finally got an introduction from somebody that I know that works um, in marketing there. And, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get a review in it because I'm traveling for three weeks. So obviously it's not going to be until the end of November at this point. But the fact that you have a review in it tells me that obviously other publications do. And I wasn't aware of that. So congratulations to you. But boo to Razor PR for what, what were you thinking, guys? Like good, somebody like good me? Question. Like I'm like the grand lady of phones. On uh, to be fair, I've been dealing with the U the European PR team, and because I've been working with them quite heavily in the laptop and peripheral space the last two or three years, I was already on their radar. Oh yeah, so, so you you doing Razer uh, laptops and stuff too, huh? Yeah, and and yeah. they're like they they got in touch with me and they say, do you do you do anything about phones? And I'm like, do okay. I do anything about phones? <laughs> How did they even ask you that question? So what? Give us anyway, give yeah. us your five your five minute or less or shorter three minute take. Like what what do you think? It is absolutely box-like. Yes, there's a slight chamfer on the edges, but if you know how Razer are famous for just doing, here's the box. It's actually a computer. There's no fancy shapes or cut and tiles or anything on it. That's what they've done with the phone. It's, Good thing they bought Nextbit then, because that design came straight out of Scott Croyle, and you know it. Yeah. this oh, And this, you if I took the name off it and showed you this a year ago and went, it's the Robin 2, you would have agreed with it me. It is the Robin. There's we knew it was under development. Come on. You know yeah. what happened. They yeah. they were developing it and then Razer said, oh, we need to make this a gaming handset. And then the next thing you know is they said, oh, okay, we'll do that. And then they said, I'm, what can we I'm do gonna, to differentiate? 120 hertz, done. I'm going to just challenge that very slightly. I don't <laughs> think Razer have made a gaming handset. Okay. I think Razer well, they're made a lifestyle hat. They're marketing it. The marketing they're marketing it as a, as a phone for gamers. They're not marketing it as a gaming phone. There's okay. a very subtle difference going on here. What I think is going on here is Razer, um, a bit like Xiaomi, uh, and arguably like Apple as well, is going for brand name. Um, this is a phone that Razer make in the same way that they build keyboards for Razer. There's their gaming mice that are made by Razer. Their, their last laptop, the uh, Razer Blade Stealth, which is their equivalent of the MacBook Air. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's not a gaming machine. You can't run really high-spec games oh. unless you buy the... Because it just doesn't have the oomph to do the graphics. You can buy the external graphics card and lo and behold, uh, away you go. Um, you can run you can run full NVIDIA card sitting off the side in, a, in an external chassis. But otherwise, it's just a very good Ultrabook with normal specifications. So they made a laptop with the Razer brand that you can do with gaming with something extra. And now I turn to this phone. This phone is a really high-spec phone. Let's not make that clear. The screen is absolutely gorgeous. They've got speakers that have got an amplifier behind each speaker to the left and right. It's designed to be held in landscape. This is important. The bezels top and bottom are the same size. That's equal. It really pushes out the sound. Uh, and that's probably the biggest, biggest thing for me. But if it was for gaming, it would have a three and a half mil headphone jack on it. It would allow you to put in a wired Wait, headset for microphone doesn't? for budding. No, you've got to go through USB-C or Bluetooth oh, on this. There Jesus. is a dongle in the box. I refer the honourable listeners to the answers we gave some moments ago. And it, it, 
it's it is stock Android with the Nova launcher. Um, so they've they've and and there is thing that like you you know when a game is launched, so they can, don't have any of the, the next setting. bit Robin in cloud stuff. There's no they cloud threw stuff. all no. of that out. They're using Google's um, Google's cloud upload. Yeah. Wow. I mean, don't so, get me wrong; it's not a deal breaker to me, but I'm just surprised that they acquired Razer and the oh, sorry next bit. And the yeah. only thing we got out of it was essentially some hint at industrial design from Robin. That's it. I think that's a fair point. This is a phone that allows Razer to say we sell phones and it's going to go on the peripheral line. I don't think this is designed to be a big seller as well. I think this is this is for the people who understand what I mean when I say a Razer toaster. Um they're all going to love this phone. <laughs> they're going to go straight straight for that. If you don't know so about you're Razer saying toaster, it's Google a Razer it toaster. <laughs> That's no, awesome. because this exists. That said, oh. the amount, at the launch event the amount of time, every every time um, Pete said, guess what we've put into the phone? Guess what's coming up next? The entire audience just go, is it a toaster? <laughs> and <laughs> he's like, and every time there is a pause, and here's num- thing number four we've put in. Is it a toaster? <laughs> and they're never going to live that down. This is a solid phone. I'm still reviewing it. The screen is it big? Is, what is really size good. is the display? 5.5? Um, it's a, you know, in terms of size... Imagine a OnePlus 5 where every edge was straight. That's okay, so it's a 5.5-inch phone. phone with just very yeah. square design. Okay, so it's not yeah. that massive, but it's big. Okay. No, it feels big because of that design, because it doesn't have the curved edges, because there's a bit of weight of it, because it's all uni-block. It feels hefty. And because it has massive bezels, because it doesn't have a, it has a 16.9 display, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but at the same time, when you look at all these games in landscape, the the driving games, the um, Age of Thrones or whatever they're calling their, it's not Warcraft, but it's Warcraft game, and you rest your thumbs either side of the screen, it means your thumbs are holding onto the phone, oh, yeah. not touching oh, the yeah. screen, and don't get no, in the I way. I get it. I think so, for this phone, it's a good compromise. I don't have any yeah. issues with that. Um, it's 120 to- hertz, so is that a gimmick? Does it really feel different? The 120 hertz in the games that have been specifically programmed to access 120 hertz does make them feel smooth, especially in some of the driving games. And there's a bundle of games shit with it. You don't have any ripping of the screen. They have the same thing that G-Sync has on NVIDIA on the desktop, where the, um, the graphics chip is aligned with the refresh rate of the screen. Uh, so it sends the next image to the screen just as it uploads. So you don't have that sort of split screen effect of we've drawn half the screen and then the next half of the screen in between frames so the frame rate is synced to the gpu rate which is synced to the screen refresh rate but the game has to be specifically programmed to take advantage of that otherwise you're just playing an android game uh and yeah again this this the screen refresh rate kind of helps a little bit and it's th- and it's throttleable so you can bring it back to 90 or 60 or 25 to save on battery life it all depends if they can get developers to make either additional hooks in the code or specific versions for the Razer phone that allows them to access the increased capability. Right. Well, that sounds great. Um, I've just reached out to Razer PR after the introduction, so let's see if they can uh, redeem themselves now because they're in on my shit list right now. Ha! No, I'm just kidding. Look, it's not the end of the world. I know they didn't know me because I don't do Razer stuff, but they should know that I spent 15 years as a video game developer before I was a phone person. So, hey, I'm surprised they kind of missed that. Anyway, um, iPhone 10 reviews. Have you got one? No, you don't. 
Oh, no, I've got an iPhone 10 review. I just don't have an iPhone 10. <laughs> no, I, I meant no, I the phone. Um, no. No, what is your... Okay, so what is your... T- I, you like me. I honestly, look, I could have gotten one on November 3rd. I, I yeah. almost pulled the trigger. Um, I was early enough in the pre-orders, like when the time, the clock switched over to order. But I, in the US, I could not buy one unlocked from Apple. I could have bought one from Verizon unlocked for full price. But I would have had to be a Verizon customer and have an account. Uh, I could have bought one from T-Mobile unlocked full price without even having an account there. But it would have been the Intel one, not the one with the Qualcomm chipset, which I don't want because the Qualcomm chipset is significantly better. And this Qualcomm Apple feud that's going on right now worries me because if they're going to go with Intel full on next year, ugh. So um, this is well documented for the iPhone 7 as well, that yeah. the Intel yeah, and, chip and underperforms compared to the Qualcomm. So uh, once I realized but, uh, but I could... But Apple gets to, fight two, gets to fight two chip suppliers off each other and get the price down even lower. I mean, classic, once, classic yeah. Apple. Once I couldn't get the, the one with the right chipset because I, I gave up and I said, you know what? I'm going to wait until Apple sells this officially as an unlocked device because that will be the Qualcomm chipset. Uh, and I will get it then. And so I've decided, you know what, my I'm really busy. I'm going to Portugal any second now. Like I flew the day after the iPhone 10 launch. So I just wouldn't have had time anyway to give it justice. So um, I know a lot of you readers, listeners are disappointed that I don't have one yet. But look, hang tight. I will have one and I will tell you what I feel. I will have to buy one because I, th- I think this is a milestone in Apple products. I think that, you know, the last significant iPhone to me was the 5S because they're the first ones to do a reliable fingerprint reader. And and prior to that, even more of a milestone to me with the 4 because the Retina display and that incredible jewelry grade manufacturing of the stainless steel and glass sandwich, um, they, they redefine what a high-end phone should feel and look like. Um, and everybody's making glass sandwich phones now. So I think they had they were onto something. Um, but I haven't really been in any way impressed with the 6, 6S, 7, 8. Um, and so to me, the 10 is the one I want if I'm going to spend my own money since Google, sorry, Apple PR in the US is more and more concerned with lifestyle and influencer YouTubers than they are with any journalist. Um, even if I try to get back you know, I mean, I had a relationship with them when I was an Engadget, but that kind of fizzled away after I left. Even if I try to kind of build that relationship again, I don't really think I'm ever going to get a review unit from Apple because I'm a tech journalist and that's what not what they're aiming for, right? You, uh, you might say critical things about their little... Oh my you know. God, I might. Me? Yeah. Critical things about Apple as a big I, Mac fan? Never. <laughs> I, I, I find Apple's choice of reviewers curious uh and courageous um uh, certainly courageous decision to courageous like on, their lack of headphone jack um i think i british listeners will understand what i mean when i say it was a courageous decision no, no i totally know what you mean i'm just <laughs> just like and now we and now everybody the knife else in is the going wound and spinning it a bit Everybody else is now going to discover Yes Minister at some point. So, you know, I'm quite happy for that. Uh, look, the iPhone 10 is, is is a key product for Apple. You're completely right about that. But it it's it really shows... It's the best Android phone Apple's amount. ever made. It's, it's always the best thing that you've ever no, made. No, no, no. Um, the best Android phone Apple's ever made. Because it, it looks like an Android phone. It does not look like an iPhone anymore. Yeah. 
And and here's a key thing um, that we kind of hinted at earlier is that there's not a huge amount of space for innovation. And I don't mean that in physical space. I mean, in terms of what you can do, we're getting brighter and better screens. We're getting hopefully better audio. We're getting better interfacing, faster, faster chips, faster modems. All these things are all incremental gains. You know, five or 10 years ago, when we all started all of this, we can remember the shock where you had to choose either, do you want a GPS or do you want a three and a half mil headphone jack or do you want more than 512 megabytes of storage? In or do you want Wi-Fi? Yes, you had to choose the handset that had the thing that you most loved. Now they're all in one. You don't have any huge jumps forward in technology. Now, Apple has kind of done its best to force it with the inclusion of Face ID, um, and the jury remains out on that one, on, on accuracy and accuracy. I'm still waiting for somebody to write the headline, you're looking at it wrong. We're getting very, very close to it um, with, with Stephen Levy's. I've got to hold it in the right place in front of me. So... For me, the the overblown Americanized hype of the huge jumps forward that this handset has done, to me, ring absolutely false. Yes, you've got a slightly better screen. Yes, you've got an interesting way of validating someone that's exactly like my Surface Book has been doing for about two years on my desktop. Yes, you've got slightly faster chips. Less you, yes, you've got slightly faster modems. But all of those are going to trickle down into the higher handsets for Android over the next six months. They'll trickle down into I the... I would mid- actually mid- argue, range. as an aside, that most of the features in the iPhone 10, other than potentially that mini connect at the top of the front of the display, play have exist on i on android phones look at a galaxy note or galaxy s8 or v30 okay that is an aside i completely agree with one of the things about face id is it's the first time that apple has done something that is genuinely new in the smartphone space as opposed to something that is genuinely new on iphone for example we've added wireless charging well i remember seeing that in the nokia lumia you do have to give them credit that with their mighty marketing juggernaut inertia now chi is going to become a standard until apple comes up with air charge and overwrites the chi standards i believe the three words that you're looking for here is to embrace Mm. uh, and then you extend you mean microsoft like i you may think that i couldn't possibly comment (laughs) we're old enough to remember this aren't we (laughs) (laughs) we're old enough to do that when the actor didn't disgrace himself because it was done properly in the bbc yes we are yes um and that. so look apple's hardware is just basically doing the same as everybody else um they're, they're deciding one thing to emphasize here it's a biometric recognition in the same way the htc of the side thing um every manufacturer has that one thing that they'll emphasize in there what we're celebrating is apple's ability to market but here's the thing Apple's ability to market because of the issue with the reviews, because of we're going to hand it out to high snobiety instead of, say, Kizzy Netsit um, on YouTube. I just, and oh, oh yeah, and the press release is in it said, oh, you have to queue if you want one. Can you ever remember Apple asking people to queue up for their no, phones And you know before? what's funny is that right after just... that, they were widely available during the weekend, even in San Francisco. If you walked into a store, so yeah. they're building the hype up. Like I have no doubt that when the unlocked version becomes available, I will have one within a week. Yeah, but isn't it all just for us as as long term watchers looking at that strategy? Doesn't it feel like they're scared? Yeah, but you know, my instinct want to say that, but I know that they're not because they're so arrogant that they're not scared. So was Nokia at one point, remember? Oh, I'm not saying that they're not, I'm not saying they're right to be arrogant and not scared. I'm just saying, 
Look, the thing is, the difference Apple has way they more money than Nokia and BlackBerry ever had, though. So before they crash and burn, which I, first <laughs> of all, well, don't think is going to happen. But if it does oh, no. go south or go sour quickly, it will take a really long time because they have so yeah. much money to waste first. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, un unlike Nokia and BlackBerry, you know, Apple have managed to put all their money into Jersey um, as opposed to into the US tax office and putting in the tax dollars at work. Uh, look, Apple's not going to go away overnight. There's no way that's going to happen. You're right, there are far too many reserves. If they are going to do it, it's going to be a very gentle slowdown. You know, the fact that they've kept the price high, they've kept the margin high, but as the smartphone market is growing, Apple's market share isn't growing. Their trading market share revenue that's a very good choice for shareholders but it's not yeah. one that allows them to carry on influencing the market no. the iphone becomes a smaller and smaller part of the market the hype machine keeps getting higher and higher and it, at this point you could probably detach apple from the smartphone market because in terms of hardware all it does is what's everybody else doing let's do that but put yeah. the word hyper in right. front of it and there you go. They are... But like, remember, they also have managed to have an iron grip on their customers because iMessage locks them in so hard yep. that they're not... They're guaranteed, you know, customers for years to come. And yes. then the other thing is, you know, you do look... No matter how much we, you know, we feel as Android... I primarily Android users, um, which, you know, we are for a reason. Uh, the reason being it's a better ecosystem, in my opinion. Um I think that there is something to be said about the tight integration of software and hardware and services and the verticalness of their approach. Um, it works. Most people feel comfortable there. It's easier to use for people who are not technically inclined, uh, but it's also more of a lock-in. And, and honestly, their cloud services are the worst. I mean, they're terrible, terrible. The only thing I ever use when I use an iPhone that's Apple's cloud is the backup feature, the iCloud backup and find my phone, right? Everything else I use on Google or another third party, Microsoft, whatever, right? It's like, I don't understand how they can fail so hard at cloud stuff. Because the 200 to 250 million phones that they sell every year are going to the same people that know no different. They, they don't look outside. Apple's victory is being able to guarantee that 200 to 250 million sales every year, as long as they do something that's relatively close to the opposition, as long as they keep putting the money into marketing, and as long as they keep that brand mystique in the same way that Disney princesses. Nike right. shoes, people people who just go for Ferrari cars. They're not buying it because the product is necessarily the best or better. They're doing it because they're told the product is the best and they don't have any external reference points to deal with. Once it, human beings love inertia. Once yeah. you're somewhere, oh, yeah. you stay there. Uh, and once you have someone that stays there that keeps you there and keeps reinforcing every six months, this is the best, this is the best, this is the best, this is the best, this is the best. Why would you leave? Indeed. So let's move so on. So congratulations, uh, Apple. Well done. But your phones are still... You want to see what's happening on an iPhone? Just look at what the Samsung's doing and roll it back 18 months into <laughs> next year's iPhone. Exactly. Except Samsung was do, does it wrong. Like that retina scanner thing of theirs is terrible. Um, so... And then they never pushed it anymore. No, they knew the they sensible didn't. thing to do. Exactly. And now Apple's went, oh, 18 months ago, Samsung did something with, with face recognition. We should do that. Da, da, da. 
So let's talk about a few things quickly. Um, I'm not going to expand on this other than say that I do have two new review units in my stable that I need to start playing with that I'm really excited about. The Xiaomi Mix 2, sorry, Xiaomi Mi yep. Mix 2 is arrived. And the Essential Phone PH1 has finally arrived. The lovely folks at Essential finally got me a review unit and they delighted me by giving me the white one. I love white phones. Yay. So it's it's really looking sexy. Titanium and white ceramic. Wow. Um, Anyway, stay tuned on the podcast to find out more about that. Um, yep. The other thing I really want to quite quickly touch upon um, is the OnePlus 5T is now official. I mean, we know it exists officially because yes, um, PR pinged everyone saying, yeah, PR, PR pinged everyone saying, hey, we, we're launching this on the 21st of November. Uh, it'll be available on 21st November and we're doing a launch for it on the 16th of November. Um, and I think they shot themselves in the foot a little bit there because they... Uh, selling tickets for plans to go to the event in New York, I think, for $40 a ticket and then giving that money to charity. But why not make it free in the first place and still give money to charity? Oh, boy. Why? You know, I, I know it's not their PR folks because they're smart. I, I know Eric. He's awesome. I, I know their marketing folks there. I've met them. They're really good people. I think it's this weird Chinese culture thing that they, they just always have to shoot themselves in the foot somehow. It, it's, it's delightful watching the new ways that OnePlus comes up to just very, very slightly miss hitting the bullseye. Um, it's, it's like, what's the big... We're pretty sure we know what the two big talking points are going to be on the 5T. Uh, one of them we've already discussed heavily in the show, which is they're keeping the three and a half build jack. Uh, and the other one is is the change of display going to, to bezel-less and the new look and everything. And you know, frankly, I'm glad. I mean, it's only a 1080p display from what I hear, but hey, that's what they've always done to save on cross and, you know, to provide better battery life and they feel it's good enough. And frankly, I feel it's good enough too. Um, I think I'm, I'm really delighted. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I, I should be having one soon and I'm looking forward to it and hoping that I, you know, I don't have to wait too long because i'm traveling so i don't know exactly sure when i'll be getting mine but I'm, I'm 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 on board you know i was on board on the 3t last year even though it pissed off some people because you know the snapdragon 821 was a huge improvement and uh that battery life improvement camera tweaks i mean they're minor but it was a better product than the three and so to me the 5t being a widescreen really fits in well with this you know the current zeitgeist of flagship phones which i think they need to play in right Yep, and that's always been their thing. It's like, we're giving you flagship quality at a lower price. I'm going to be very interested to see what price they manage to get. The I think it's going to be just slightly more than the five, honestly. I think yeah. we're going to finally break the 500 mark here. But, you know, at 500, it's still a great price, right? It, it still is. I mean, I'm still uh, with, with eight gigs of RAM, five. too, right? And probably 128 gigs of storage. So, like, keep uh, that in mind. Yeah, I, mean, I have no complaints over the OnePlus 5. Let's be fair. The camera's maybe a little bit down, but yeah, it's not, not as much quite, of a shutterbug as some people. So I agree. It's not quite up to flagship standards, maybe, but it, it, it's getting there. The, the bottom line is I love OnePlus, and I'm really looking forward to the 5T. That's all. And you know what? I'm going to use that thing and love it. I know it. So you're going to like the one that I've got here. I've got two two handsets down here sitting for review. One of them we've already mentioned, which is the Razorphone. The other one is, is a really curious one. This is it's the Sony Xperia X running Sailfish. Ooh, lovely. 
Um, I got the Sailfish phone, the second gen one at MWC this year. Yeah. They finally gave me one. So I played with that for a while. It was cool. Um, how is Sailfish on a mid-range or a higher-ish end Well, to device? be fair, it's the highest spec handset of running Sailfish that, that's been there. Um, for those of you listeners who aren't for Sail, Sailfish is an offshoot of Migo Hartman, which itself uh, started with uh, when Nokia tried to do, um, what are we going to do after Symbian? Maybe we'll do Linux. Well, they did they the, N9. The, N800. The, the N9. The N9 was the beginning yep. of that and the end because that design yep. was stolen to turn the turn into the Lumia 800, the first Windows yes. phone. Uh, but the design and the OS for the N9 were... Um, Ahead of their time, I think it was a phenomenal yeah. phone for its time. I loved the so, N9. So a, a lot of the staff, when they retired, pooled their money, um, rebuilt everything as much open source as they could, bought in some resources, started Yola, the company, made their own smartphone with their own operating system um, that was completely Linux-based. You, you want to punch up a terminal and start doing, it's doing there. pseudo stuff? It's there. It's there. It's an actual icon out of the box. Um, it never really took a hold. They never got mass market, and then they they kind of moved to do the OS. And at the moment, they're in a place where the OS is being shipped out to governments and to do secure phones. And they're they're working with some of the BRIC countries as well. Um, and you can now buy uh, the the operating system to download and install on an Xperia X. And you need a bit of it Linux now because you're going to be doing some shadowing. Do you have to buy it, or is it free? No, you actually have to buy it. How odd. Uh, yeah, it's, because you it's already very, bought the phone. It's annoying. Yeah, you still you have to have the phone. You can't buy the phone with it pre-installed. That's the thing. You have to buy the phone. Oh. Then you have to buy the operating system because it's still a developer thing. They're still right. playing around. Who's going to do but, that, though? <laughs> I mean, look, I didn't say it was commercially viable. I just okay. said I'm having fun with it. Okay. I mean, that's the thing about Selfish OS. It's fun. It's really a different world. And it's really cool to see how how a modern smartphone could be yeah, instead of yes. what the, the you know, iOS and Android and even Windows Phone were pretty close to each other in, in their, you know, kind of core functionality. But Sailfish is a different beast, you know? Yeah, there, there are no buttons on the front and there haven't been for many long time. So if you want to come to the home, you have to literally just hold your finger just below the screen and swipe up. Yeah, to, sounds to familiar. I've heard I'm, about I'm, this company named Apple. <laughs> it just yeah. made a new phone without a home button. Yeah, but then if you sweep to the left, you get your um your 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 view of what your events are happening today. You actually sweep to the right, you get all your settings and everything. You sweep down, you can see the running applications. You can see it's um and you remember how um Blackberry's OS did like you can see the program running in small thumbnails. Yep, yep. Sailfish has had that since it launched. We will have well, the N nine had that, I believe. So yeah, it all flows there. Um, it's also a fun game of when you go to people, guess what phone I've got? And and they sit there and they sit there and you go, nope, and you just hand them a phone that's running a terminal screen. Um, and nine out of ten people go, I don't understand. And one person just goes, oh, that's cool, I want one. <laughs> exactly. Those are your friends, by the way. Those who say that's cool, I want one, you're, you want to be friends with them. Um, yeah. You and we have to wrap it up real quick. I want to quickly get your thoughts on the Pixel 2, Pixel 2 XL. Um, we've talked about them extensively here on this podcast. I was one of the first journalists to get my hands on them, obviously. Because uh, I am in very, uh, Google's very happy with me right now, which is great. I love those PR folks. They're wonderful. Um, so what is your take? Have you played with it? Have you got one or, or either of them? Yeah, but I had my hands in a little play with the M2 XL. Um, not yet had a hold of the Pixel 2. I'm a fan of the smaller phones. So the, the Pixel 2 is the one that, that has more appeal to me. Um, look, 
we've discussed Google's PR mistake of taking out the three and a half mil headphone jack. So let's not go over that again. No, but um, what you, what you take just, on the camera is mostly what I want to because honestly, you know, there's lots of things we can talk about. The display issues with two XL, which you know are being worked on yeah. and are definitely a downer. But I'm mostly I'm still super stoked. I made the Pixel two XL my daily driver, and I'm super excited about the camera. I mean, the camera on this thing is unbelievably good. I talked earlier that I don't think people specifically buy a handset because it has a stereo headphone jack. It's different for camera. It's different for imaging because it's something a bit more tangible. People will go out to go, oh, has it got a better camera? You never hear, has it got better audio DAC apart from brands you recognize Linux terminals on a smartphone. Uh, and that I think is going to be Google's big thing because the camera is the thing that creates memories. And there's, there, yes, a smartphone can do a lot of things, but it's the one that can capture the image of your children or your family or a, or a moment in time or that time where Jeff Gordon does a donut in front of you um, in, in a Volkswagen camper van that he's just hired. And you're thinking, I must remember this. Yeah. Bang. The most important camera is the camera that you've got in your pocket at the time. That's been true for decades. And, you know, for a long time, Samsung was the handset you grabbed if you wanted the best camera out there over all the brands, over all the operating systems. It's like just instinctively pick up the Samsung. I don't think that's the case anymore. I do think that the the Pixel 2 XL specifically, that's the one I would you would pick up. It's like these are all the camera phones. You need one of them to be a camera. It's like you grab the Google one. It's going to be interesting what happens when the Pixel Visual Core GPU side on chip becomes more widely yeah available across because Android. i mean it's already so good i'm like is it just going to be faster and just as good or are they are, we, are they going to unlock some new things they have they've been cooking up that are going to be even better right well the, the first one is you can now do your your, your portrait bokeh mode with the background out of focus you don't it is incredible how good portrait mode lens. is on this using simple ai and a huge data set but more importantly, using the dual pixel autofocus, the dual pixels are being used yep. for parallax and they really make a difference. It's really impressive. And Google's testing that on the Pixel 2. Once that rolls out into the handsets have a, that have a much larger, will get a much larger install base, Pixel 2, bless them, aren't going to be the same sort of sales level as, as your Galaxy S9s and such like. Once that technology comes out, there's going to be this quantum leap in imaging and it's all going to be on Android. I agree. And you know why? Because Google has the, the data. And this is this is thing that Apple will never be able to catch up with the cloud stuff is because Apple is all so worried about people's privacy that they are not able to collect the information they need to make a good AI. And we know the future is AI driven computing and contextual and computing. And if they don't get on board with this anytime soon, and I think they are somewhat with Face ID because they're, you know, kind of gathering facial data. Uh, not, not obviously. I believe the, they've said that it's all staying on the handset. No, 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 no. I, I just want to clarify. There are two things going on here. Of course, the Face ID like unlocks data is staying on the handset in the Enclave. I know how it works. I'm talking about the ability to scan somebody's face and do animojis and all that good stuff, right? That yeah. set of data is is available to developers and will be. And to me, that's the beginning of them collecting some massive amounts of data. But, but if they don't collect this data and Apple people like, like, I want my privacy and that's why I like Apple. Like, they're so not that processing is done on the handset just now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, and we, we, you, but you go back to next bit in the Robin. Oh, we've got cloud upload. We can put everything of your handset into the cloud. Um, they're not do, the Razor isn't doing that, but Google's bringing that on certainly with imaging for, and has done and has all of this um, on their servers to do the analysis at that end. And that is 
that, that's, you step forward. That's why you see smartphone market, sh- smartphone numbers and installs increasing at a huge rate. And it's why you see when people are coming to the market with no expectation of should I get iOS, should I get Android? Yes, there are more Android handsets. Yes, some of them are at the low end for 100 quid. Um, but all of those can tap into that power. All of those can tap into that AI. Give it a year or two years and Google's going to be able to supply every Android handset with a custom Google chip that's got all this visual AI stuff on it with the Pixel Visual Core. And that's going to be part of the licensing fee for Google Play Store. It's like, you, you want Google Play Store? That's fine. You've got to put this five cent chip in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, we should wrap it up. I need to ask you now to pimp yourself and tell the great world out there where they can find your writings and your musings and your social media goodness. Um, best but I think is probably going to be start um, on twitter.com slash Ewan um, for the personal stuff um, twitter.com slash Mr. Ewan Spence um, for the access and links out to all the, the writings that I do online um, I allegedly blog at ewanspence.co.uk um, but um, it's it's there, I write occasionally there but your best bet is the, the social media followings on there and podcasts, any podcasts people should listen to um, I'm continue to cover the Eurovision Song Contest. Junior Eurovision is happening in Georgia at the end of the month. You'll find it at ESCinsight.com and I appear very, very infrequently, but I'm going to plug it anyway. Keep Dancing, uh, which is the UK's um, number one unofficial podcast for Strictly Come Dancing, which of course is the, the original name um, for Dancing with the Stars here on our little island that has decided to ignore the rest of the world and cut itself away. But a Keep Dancing podcast is always fun. Wonderful. All right, folks, you know where to find me. I'm Tank Girl on Twitter at TNKGRL. That's like the comic book character, but drop the vowels. You can find my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Miriam That's my full name spelt out. The YouTube channel, remember, subscribe to it. It's really an accessory to this podcast. I show you the phones. I talk about them. You get a visual context to this audio podcast by watching my YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, uh, follow me on Facebook and Google Plus as well on Instagram. I, I'm Tank Girl on Instagram too. And uh, stay tuned for next week. We'll have another guest. Uh, and I think you'll be very pleased with who I have got lined up. Thanks again, Ewan. And cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.